Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am Lindsay McCowan, and I am here today to... Um, just really feel into this moment. I mean, and I hope that you'll join us in feeling into this moment because this is what we have right now, right here. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about, you know, what does it really mean to be free and how can we be free in this moment, especially in times that seem uncertain and they're constantly changing. And we might even be questioning if the if deep healing and transformation is even possible in our world, in the current state of our world. And we have an incredible guest today that's going to help us navigate through these questions and uh, bring us more to this moment and the possibilities of what can happen in our future if we're really willing to just take this moment to be here and to check in and to examine this world within ourselves and outside of ourselves. So. Before we invite in our guests for today, let's just take this moment to stop, pause, and breathe. So wherever you are, women, whether you're standing or seated or lying down, just take this moment to place your hands upon your body, wherever you feel yourself guided, wherever you might want a blessing or an anointment or just a gentle touch. And then take a deep, full breath in through the nose and out through the nose. And just feel yourself come back home into the body, into the sacred form. And just feel into what would it feel like for you, for you personally to feel liberated and free. To feel liberated and free in your body, to feel liberated and free in your mind and your emotions. And just notice if there's any resistance that comes up to that. You just continue to breathe in and breathe out, allowing whatever to be here to be here. And just meet it with the breath. Hold it within the palms of your own hands. And let's just take a deeper breath in and out. And you're welcome to stay here as long as you wish. Hmm, but I do need to come back and welcome in Kamatai Mitchell. Oh, this woman is incredible. She is a yogi, a certified birth and death doula, which I just bow down to. Oh, that is big, big work. She's also an African diasporic, oh, diasporic dancer. I might have pronounced that incorrectly, uh, Kamas. You'll help me with that one. And cultural healing arts innovator. And Kamen has a core belief that living an embodied life is deeply rooted, is like the root of our healing. And she is also the founder and executive director of Rooted Enrichment Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now, this center is focused on reducing epigenetic stress and trauma, destigmatizing mental health, and disrupting intergenerational poverty and disease through generative offerings and collaborations while intentionally centering the lived experience of BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus folks. She practices and facilitates racial healing circles, wisdom keeping, culture bearing, 
and is a newer student of traditional West African Ifa griot musicology, ancestral healing lineage, lineage, and she now incorporates these learnings into her yogic lifestyle. And she identifies as a mixed race, queer, radical abolitionist, and I love this, a grand lover of life and all its natural splendor. Ooh, I need to take a big breath in. That's big <laughs> flipping work, woman. <laughs> that is, yes. And uh, so welcome, welcome to the show, Kama. Thank I've you. Being here and making the time for us because I, you know, after reading all that, you're very, you have so many things that you're offering and you're, and it's all coming, like we were talking right before we started the show and you always, you say you always feel into these things that are coming forward and you have to have a full body. Yes. And so you have a full body. Yes. To a lot of things. <laughs> so what it like, what it, can you just tell us a little bit of how this work is coming through you and you know, why you believe it's coming through you at this point in time? Hmm. Oh, I think um, it's hard to say in this point in time, but I think it's about lived experience where I come from, where I thought I wanted to go and now where I'm at. <laughs> and so I think I have some pretty cool parents. I have a pretty cool family, extended family. And I think um, being born in the seventies as a biracial person really opened my eyes to some of the things that were happening in the world. I started my journey um, in Michigan and then my parents moved me to Texas and I had my formative years from seven to 12 were there in Dallas, Texas. And while I was there, my mom um, won a lottery to put me and my younger brother into a Montessori school that was very um, well-staffed with high-level teachers and educators, and they bust children in from all over the city. And so the, the amount of diversity that I was able to learn with um, socioeconomically, ethnically, racial children was pretty amazing, I think, in comparison to what I see in the education system now. And I think that really set the tone for the way I think and the way I move in the world. And um, my my awakening to humanity started there, I think. A Montessori education in Dallas, Texas, with a very wealthy Jewish best friend and a very poor um, Mexican best friend and another multiracial best friend who had a similar lived experience and then being able to be their best friends for three years in the same classroom as Montessori does. All of that, and then the lived experience of my parents and their families and how it trickled down, rippled down to me, um, and the way of being really informed how I was going to move in the world. I love how, you know, when we look back, we can see how life has just really set you up in a beautiful way for the work that you do and to be able be able to hold the space that you do. And it's sometimes we look back and feel like it's, you know, life, our life isn't a blessing, but then we say, oh, well, this is exactly what I needed to be the person I'm meant to be and, and to provide the work, allow the work to move through me the way it's meant to move through me. Absolutely. So can you Absolutely. tell us a little bit about the work that you're currently doing? You have this organization called Rooted, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, just for clarity, the A, if, you, if you're going to seek us out, it's R-O-O-T-E-A-D. And we had a brilliant marketing person who was kind of in our circles. We began this journey of nonprofit world, which I didn't intend to do, Lindsay. I was in the 
food and service industry my whole life. <laughs> and so it kind of happened by accident based on what I was seeing in community and the liberatory tools I was gaining that I wanted to share. And so that's kind of how it happened um, that way. And so Rooted came about because my sister cousin and I, both biracial, um, being raised together in the country of Michigan, rural part of Michigan on a blueberry farm that my grandfather planted 54 years ago with my uncles and my dad and my um, aunties and his wife. We were like, we're practicing yoga. We're reaching out to study African diasporic dance to live drums. And quite often we were the brownest people in the room as biracial women. And that was a sticking point for us as we we're exploring these modalities that were um, curated and began by traditional black and brown people. So living in the Midwest, there's a different kind of culture here that we've, we've experienced with our travels. We just were like, let's write a little grant and see if we can serve black and brown women free, full access to yoga and African dance. And um, we wrote a grant for $1,000 and they gave us 750 and we ran a six-week course in a tiny studio north of town. And on week one, we had one 16-year-old girl. And by week six, there were 30 women in the room ages 8 to 80 in this tiny studio packed in Filipina, Latina, mixed race, Black, Asian, um, just all there really trying to find these liberation tools and utilize them in a safe and accessible place. And so that was a catalyst. When we went to go report out to our funders and our fiduciary, what we did, um, there were people crying in the room. Um, the CEO of our local regional United Way at the time really encouraged us to start a nonprofit. We were just trying to do something fun for our community and then, then it went into this. And so 10 years later, here we are uh, making no money for the first, I don't know, six years in having other jobs and continuing to do the work. And um, now, uh, managing a budget of over a million dollars and really trying to inform this work and ripple it out into the community in a really strong web. And so on top of yoga and dance, at the exact same time that we were planning this, I was joining my uh, one of my mentors in birth work. She was a home birth midwife, and I was following her around to home births and supporting her as a midwife assistant. And she encouraged me to include that work inside the nonprofit. And so I just always think of um, my mentor Janice so much because of her way of being with the land and with the people and with the animals and the herbs and how she encouraged us to lean into our African heritage as minuscule as it is and bring along the land and the people that we have that we're living on here, Anishinaabe land that grows all these resources and how to incorporate yoga, dance and birth. And I tell you, it was a hard lift at the beginning. So we didn't get any money because we just couldn't articulate in a way that funders wanted to give us money. And then we just kept refining our story, refining our story, refining our programming, um, becoming better and better until here we are today with this very thriving nonprofit that offers um, living wage jobs to all of our employees and family-friendly work environment and a decolonized way of being with each other. And I absolutely love how, you know, it was an accident. I'm doing air quotes <laughs> for those of you that can't see. And, you know, and that you, you just stayed with the inspiration that was coming through you. It's no, it is not easy to start a 
a side gig, especially a nonprofit, right. while you're still having to work and feed yourself and your family and mm-hmm. and just to continue to do that and to to do it when you're not getting the funding. Like when people are not saying yes, it would have been so easy just to be like, okay, I'm just going to let this go. But you didn't mm-hmm. let it go. Why do you feel like you didn't let it go? I love that question. And this is where I get real woo-woo. Oh, bring it on, honey. You're in the right place. (laughs) um, uh, My sister cousin, Heather, and I, um, it was uh, spring break of 2015. Her eldest and my youngest are four months apart. We sent them to L.A. to visit her her son's father and my my father, my son's grandfather, for spring break. Um, She had two younger sons. And I was like, you know what? Let's just jump in my van and just drive to Florida and chase the sun. And she was like, okay, what do we, we had very minimal. I mean, we were scraping the pennies together on the ride back. That last gas stop on the way home was like it, we better make it. It was such a profound experience for her and I and her two youngest sons. And it kind of re-infused our why. Um, Just leaving town, kind of getting out of town and being with nature fully, the ocean is powerful as we know. And just really um, talking about our why, should we start or should we continue? Should we stop? We were, you know, coming up on year four, five. And so we were just really curious about how to move forward with that. Um, We get back home and I open the mailbox after dropping her and her family off. I go home, open the mailbox and we had our nonprofit status inside of the mail. And that was like the first like sign from the, from the, world that no, here's your official nonprofit status after doing this work without one for a few years with, with, with fiscal sponsors go. And, um, I made a lot of life, big life changes that year too. And I started working with a local woman who did intuitive work and she just kept feeding me like you're on the right path, stay with it, keep going. And I really respect others who can see me and give me advice. I have a lot of wonderful friends and mentors who truly see who I am and can help kind of guide. And I just had a lot of people say, keep, please keep going. What you're offering is so amazing. Keep going, keep going. And so I just lean into community care. I lean into collectivism. And so if I have enough people saying you should do the thing, I just kind of roll with it. Fast forward five years later, the top of COVID, I'm in a training with um, Daniel Forbes, Ancestral Lineage Healing, and we receive our first substantial, huge grant. So not only am I now building relationship with my ancestors in a very kind and benevolent way, I receive a huge grant that really informs how we can move forward with our programming and work. And so since then, it's been like, I'm going to tune into people who love and respect me and see me and my why and the people now gathered around me, my team, and I really tune into my ancestors. It's like one of my major tools for knowing right way of being I'm in relationship with people who are of a different dimensions who can see the bigger picture who can maybe um, condense time or collapse time and give me more information so that's my really woo woo way of saying every time I try to stop my ancestors like keep going (laughs) that's pretty much what it is (laughs) and it's like he started with the biggest ancestor of all like grandmother ocean like and to step away from the busyness of your life to step outside of that and just be with the sun and the power of the ocean to give yourself perspective 
Mm-hmm. And then when you come back, you have that beautiful sign right there. Yeah. And I love how you lean into community and and allow people to really show you like who you are and your willingness to see that through their eyes and to listen to them telling you, please keep going because the ancestors mm-hmm. are whispering through them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think if you lean into some um, authenticity and vulnerability with as much protection as you can, you know, we're in a very uh, cancel culture time, but I I'm feel so supported by my ancestors and my mentors and elders and peers that I really lean into vulnerability and authenticity and I say the thing. Um, and sometimes it makes people very uncomfortable, but most times it allows people to to match that or reflect that and lean in also. And I think that way of being has allowed people to feel safe in my presence or allow them to really see and hear me in a way that I don't know if I didn't do those practices, it could happen. Yeah, because it's, it's not easy. I mean, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. authentic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't really understand how we think that we could do one without the other. But <laughs> <laughs> right. But in this in our culture, as you said, it could it can feel very threatening, especially for women. And yeah, and just to be able to, I'm going to do this is who I am, and this is what I'm offering. So it kind of leads me to the next question: is like, what is like real freedom and liberation mean to you? Is it the vulnerability and the authenticity, or is it more than that? It's definitely that. Um, And I think it's just this deep knowing that no matter what happens, I'm still going to be okay. Mm. And I think also um, having lived experience of experiencing really deep suffering and coming out the other side has given me a reminder that no matter what I'm suffering, on the other side, I'm going to be okay. And so I think that is the main main thing I need to hold on to. Um, a reminder that I am a soul in a human body having a lived experience, not a human being with a soul, right? I'm a soul first that has a human body having a human experience. And that reminder, I think, um, is what keeps me going. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I love the no matter what happens, no matter how much I'm suffering in this moment, I'm going to be okay on the other side of this. I'm, just, right. I'm going to be okay. And, you know, this, we, it's so easy to become so identified with our body and our environment, but this idea that I am a soul. And I always, in my yoga classes, and, and I always say, like, you know, the body is just leverage to the soul. That's it. That's right. That's right. It's just leverage. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear how we can, you know, leverage our lived experience, leverage our this human experience and the tools that we could use to actually feel the liberation of the soul when we come back after this break. So if you're listening, you can definitely check out Hama's website, it, but don't go anywhere though. You can you can Google while you're li- while you're waiting for us to come back. So it's rooted R-O-O-T-E-A-D dot org. And we'll be right back after this short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We are here with Damate or Ty. I was practice your name over and over again because my, I was telling you before the show that Ty was one of my closest friends in, in high school. And then I thought I heard someone pronounce your middle name, Tay. And I was like, oh my God, I have to practice this over and over again so I don't say Ty. And then right before the show, you're like, no, it is Ty. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> so and, there, and, there, and then I just had, you know, <laughs> prophecy there and it came true. So thank you, Kama, for your grace uh, with me butchering your name. So okay. anyways, right before the show, <laughs> you know, when they first asked me to do a uh, live radio, I was like, I just... How many times am I going to put my foot in my mouth during the show? I thought this might just be like more like a comedy show. Uh, but, you know, it's just this is not rehearsed. This is just a conversation that we're having between two people. So uh, I'd love to jump right back into you know, we were talking before the break about this this idea of liberation and what that really feels like and how one way that we can feel more liberated is by being more vulnerable and and being authentic, but in a space that where we feel that we can do that. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. want to do that in a space where we are, we're not going to go out there in these spaces that are unsafe or mm-hmm. are, you know, where we know we're going to get attacked because then that can just create, you know, you know, a lived experience of trauma that's not going to be supportive of us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you have lots of tools that you use, and I would love to hear some of the ones that you share, do for yourself, as well as share mm-hmm. with the people in your community. Mm-hmm. Oh, where do I start? Well, I'll start with what I've already spoke about, the ancestors, of course. Um, Knowing that you have people in your corner, whether they're in their human form or not, gives a lot of energy to what you're trying to do and how you're moving in the world. So definitely huge tool. Um, Breathwork, pranayama, um, a tool that I use throughout the whole day, first thing in the morning, last thing I do before I go to bed, keeps my lungs healthy and it keeps my nervous system really regulated. So there's so many um, 
so many different types of breath work that we can do. So I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole, but we'll just leave it at that for people to research. And then um, embodied practices that regulate the vagal nerve, that regulate the parasympathetic nervous system. All of those that I'm gleaning and learning from different um, ways. And then I think being healing informed or trauma informed, understanding that every single human has has suffering. It's part of the human experience and meeting people where they're at in that space. I was saying to uh, my director of operations yesterday, I said, I, the hierarchy, the hierarchy of human value is something I've, I'm an abolitionist about. That's my abolition work. To me, my time, how I move in the world, um, she has a four-year-old autistic son. I said, my time is no more valuable than your four-year-old autistic son. His lived human experience is just as valuable as mine. And um, something that I learned deeply from one of my mentors is, is the, our way of being in relationship with nature. So we spoke about my travels, like, let's go to the ocean to my sister, you know, my cousin. We got to get to the ocean. We got to get, she has answers. She has negative ions. She will regulate our systems in this long Michigan winter coming out the end of it, please. Um, your relationship to nature. I think, unfortunately, in, in a colonized society, we have been kind of stripped or boxed in a little bit more. And we forget that we are of nature it's not for us to consume and use, but it's for us to be in relationship to. And so that is a huge tool for me, um, my relationship to all aspects of nature and my respect for all aspects of nature. And again, looking at, at the uh, symbiotic movement of bees or ants and how they collectively work together for the greater good and really using that as a framework to how you can be in the world to undo this extreme cultural individualism that is killing us all. And so, you know, my, my, one of my mentors said to me in yoga training years ago, if you were, if you identify as uh, a human in the whole timeline of humanity, your life is like a minuscule grain of sand on the ocean. What are you going to do with it? You know, and so that is a tool. Remembering that your life is short, you ha you came for a reason, and what are you going to do with the tool that is called your life? And how do you show up every day in order to be um, in right relationship with yourself and right relationship with everybody else? Those are like some of the main tools that I lean on to every day. Um, I like a sleep and eat schedule too. I feel like it's a very good for the body to maintain its nervous system when you eat and sleep as, as much as you can in accordance to your natural needs for your body. They're different for everybody. So I'm not going to give a timeline, um, it, which allows you to be more in sync with your natural surroundings. So should I keep going? Though I'll stop I mean, here. <laughs> I mean, this is great. I mean, I guess we could have a whole nother show just about each one of these and break it down. But, you know, you started with the ancestors really connecting with them and, mm -hmm. and maybe we can touch on how we could do that. Cause I think that might be a, a new concept for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, pranayama, the breathing techniques, so valuable to, for helping to regulate the nervous systems as well as the embodied practices mm -hmm. so that we remember that we have a body, mm -hmm. and, but we are a soul. 
That's okay. right. So, and then just informing yourself about trauma and how that every single person on this earth is walking with some variation form of lived trauma and, or mm-hmm. even, you know, intergenerational trauma. Right. And then this relationship to nature, so important that we are of nature. And as we're coming up on earth day, it's a beautiful time to even reflect on that because mm-hmm. that earth is not here for us to consume and use, but to really be in relationship. But I loved how when you were starting to talk about, you know, what are we going to do with this one, this minuscule moment and time of our life? Because some people would immediately like, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to acquire and accumulate as much. Right. But no, like align yourself with nature, with your soul. And then what Mm -hmm. is the right thing for you to do and to share with this one life? So I like, Mm -hmm. I really appreciated you sharing that piece because mm-hmm. with me and with me, when you're like, Oh, you only have this one life, there's this urgency that comes up, but then you're like, no, breathe, yeah. align, and then feel into mm-hmm. what is the soul's guidance in this moment? Yeah. Not what the culture is telling. That's you. right. The culture is go urgent, go seek, get, do, but humans need to be, uh, um, what is it? bring to you, you know, it's not about going to get, it's about what are you attracting by how you're living, how you're being. That's, that's a huge um, reframe that I think is really tricky in our capitalistic culture. We are swimming in these waters that we have to participate in, but where do you find the balance? Um, So you're only participating enough you know, we ha- I have to participate in capitalism, even though I consider myself an anti-capitalist. <laughs> I don't have a choice. And then I, as I'm doing that, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in the with the best integral um, practices that are not by 1850s lawmakers from 1850, but for humans and push back on those things and interrogate our way of being inside of capitalism all the time. That is a huge tool for liberation just interrogate all things that come in your path instead of being just a a person that takes in the information and believes it really interrogate your own beliefs, interrogate the information you're getting. I think that is a huge tool for liberation. Um, Lifelong learning. I say to my doula clients, um, you know, when they're screaming about, uh, am I going to be a good mom? If the first time parents, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be a good parent? I don't know what I'm doing. Help, help, help. I just always remind them that that soul knew what they were getting into. And it's every single time a sperm meets an ovum, it's an intense miracle. It's miraculous. The chances of you having a healthy baby are one in some hot two million, I think. And so I think that I want to remind them that it's not about what you do. It's about how you are to to help the soul be who they are. And so I think that's a huge liberatory way of thinking too. I don't have to do anything to create something. I have to be something to attract what's best Mm -hmm. for me in alignment with my community, my people, my universe. I can't tell you how many times, like you were talking about that full body. Yes. At the beginning. Mm -hmm. And here, there's so many things that you've been saying that I'm getting a full body. Yes. Like my mm-hmm. body starts to like vibrate. I get little mm-hmm. tears in the corners of my eyes. Like, Cause that's a yes for me. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh, that is just <laughs> absolutely so beautiful. And a constant reminder. I mean, I have to remind myself of this all the time. And I've been doing this work for 
15 plus years. And I still, a daily reminder that it's just a state of being. Yes. And that at a deep soul level, I'm already enough. Yes. I just have to tap back into that and that feel part. it and mm-hmm. then stop trying so hard. And, and we have to constantly, like you said, uh, what do you say? Interrogate our belief mm-hmm. systems because mm-hmm. it's like, is this belief even true? Right. Where the hell did I get this belief from? Who taught right. me this? And who taught that? And who taught the person that taught me? And who taught the person that, that part. taught me? Because <laughs> if you go back far enough, you're going to realize that it was just one person's imagination. One human. I have this thing I think is a thing. And I'm going to make it a thing. And if you go back far enough, everything is, comes from someone's imagination. Yeah. So yeah. why not use our own imagination to create That's right. And that's what we really want to, it to be. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm just curious, like you, your organization has grown so much and you've expanded um, to offer all these other services. And, and obviously you feel inspired to do this. And we, you know, oftentimes looking out at the world, we can get really caught up and like feeling hopeless and feeling like there's not a whole lot we can do. How do you just stay like in this place? I mean, we've talked about ancestry and and breath, but what can you tell other people out there like that are struggling with this idea that they can do anything? Mm. Anything that they do is really going to have any impact on our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm human too. So I definitely can't stay in that space. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I live with imposter syndrome. I live with doubt. Um, I have some fears. I've worked through a lot of um, shame and fear in my iteration of this life, but they still pop up, you know, old um, thought patterns pop up. So um, I think that what my main go-to is, is I've been saying this thing lately that time is queer. And so I think that living on a uh, non-linear thought, think, thinking that things are not linear is really helpful for to move yourself out of a way of being or a a thing that is holding you down or keeping you stuck is to look at time in a different way. You're not, I'm not waiting to get here to do the thing. I'm just going to do the thing or be the thing. And I think that's a really helpful way of reframe to, for people to not get stuck or afraid um, or let it hold back that, even if you don't do it today and you thought you need to do it, it's going to come up again. So there's like a something in yoga we call, I can't remember the Sanskrit name, but it's like, if you don't go through the thing, go through the fire, you're going to have another opportunity for it to keep coming back to you, keep coming back to you, keep coming back to you. So I think something around what's coming up for me, Lindsay, is something around not avoiding the thing and going through the thing, knowing that the fire will cleanse, re- calibrate, recenter. It's like that whole analogy around the Phoenix. But if you constantly are flying around it or going around it, you're just going to have another opportunity to, to try again, to go through it. I'm fumbling a little bit. Do you think you say it no, better? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you're doing a beautiful job and I, I don't feel like I articulated the question. Great. So I think we're doing mm. really good here. Like, <laughs> We're fumbling our way through. Uh, No, I think it's really beautiful in the sense that, and I can't remember the Sanskrit term either. We should have Karina on the show um, (laughs) with us. 
to guide us. So we, Karina was a guest back on uh, March 2nd. Uh, so, and actually Karina referred Kama uh, to the show. So I appreciate that. And, but it's this idea that, uh, you know, we hear this all the time that life is going to constantly present these lessons for you. And there is a teaching in yoga that says like our, you know, fate is determined by how many breaths that we're going to take and also by the lessons that we need to learn. And if we want to live a more fulfilled life and not waste time, we might as well just go ahead and live those lessons instead of constantly having to come back over and over and over again. And with all the suffering that comes with that, just go ahead and go through it. That's like right. you said, cleanse yourself, be purified by that fire mm-hmm. and come out on the other side and be like, okay, yes. what's the next lesson? Bring That's it. Right. Cause now I'm more fortified. That's right. Yeah. You said it, you said it better. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the analogy of the Phoenix, just if you're, you can fly around it or you can go through it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, mm-hmm. and so I'd love to talk about a little bit about birth justice because it's something we haven't talked about on our show yet. And so mm-hmm. can you explain to our listeners who may not know what is birth justice? Sure. I'm going to give my definition based okay. on the work that we do in community. There's probably quite a few definitions out there. Um, but what we like to say is justice should be something that you're born into, not something you have to claim throughout your life. Period. Mm. That's it. And so for us, how do we set up pregnant people and families to be advocates for themselves, understand medical ease language, empower themselves, understand their body and what what it's going through to grow a baby, to have a baby, and understanding all the things that could come up while pregnant, while in postpartum. Our job is to completely and totally educate the client as much as possible so they have the sense of autonomy, agency, and knowing and empowerment before they have the baby. And then build a good enough relationship with the family that they can lean on us after the baby for resources and needs and become part of our village. That's why the beginning of our uh, mission says reclaiming the village because one of my very first birth work teachers outside of my mentor came from the Zulu tribe of South Africa. And in their tradition and way of being, a pregnant person has the baby and is taken care of extremely well. They have nothing to do for 40 days and 40 nights, but just heal. And all the mothers, aunties, and sisters care for her and the baby in the village. Mm-hmm. And that is something, again, that colonization and capitalism has taken away from us. And so part of our work is to reclaim that aspect of village being something I always say to my clients, I say to my coworkers, I say to my team, use your resources. We are indoctrinated thinking we have to be hypervigilant and, and hyper-independent and make sure that we look strong and can do all the things. Why? Why be in more suffering when you have a whole village and you have all these resources that you can lean on? And that is that is my why around birth justice. I would like every baby that is born in our community and beyond to not have to come out of the womb full of stress hormones and ready to fight the world. Yeah. And as you mentioned in the very beginning, it's that toxic individualism Mm -hmm. that is really killing us all. And you know, I know all, I mean, I'm not a mother, but I know plenty of women that are and that how <laughs> exhaust, 
flipping exhausted they are and they do feel because that they have to do it all their, on their own and if they're not That's doing right. it on their own, then it's indicative of the fact that they're not good enough again. And it's just that constant toxic belief system that is yes. really just keeping uh, not just women, but women, you know, in the BIPOC community, the LGBTQ, IA community, are all just being kept in this cycle of exhaustion, depletion, which keeps us oppressed. That's right. And so I really, really love that you're creating community. And it's something that's actually fairly new to me, like only a few years, because I was swept up in that toxic individualism. I didn't even know what it was, but I was Mm. a part of it, feeling Mm -hmm. like I had to do all the things by myself. And if I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it by myself, then then I must be failing or not good enough, or all those beliefs. And mm-hmm. and then through my practices of yoga and branching more deeply into the, the Tantra yoga lineage, I started to realize, oh, like, wait a second. It started to, <laughs> the dawning of Aquarius song came in my head, and I know that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> we are in that time, though. <laughs> I know, there's something of an awakening. Uh, so I'm like, oh, it's the community. And so this is one yeah. of the reasons behind this radio show is how can we start to build community? How can I create something that really brings in these amazing women that can share their gifts, their resources, their support, their community, so that we can see that we're all in this and together, we don't all have to be the same and doing the same things in order to live fully and thrive freely. Mm-hmm. So... um and with that, I'm looking at our voice uh, sound engineers telling us that we need to go to a break. <laughs> um, but when we come back, we'll go right back into this amazing conversation. And if you're still with us, check out the Her Festival. This is an extraordinary gathering of women that's happening May 4th through 8th in the wild inviting mountains of Rangeley, Maine. And this is all about restoring and replenishing your essential nature as you're being fully immersed in nature and it's really led by six incredible women, five of which have actually been on women thriving unapologetically. And so it's a co-creative retreat experience that it will be truly unique and radiant celebration of feminine power and leadership. Mm. So I'm going to be going there um, to immerse myself. So I hope to see many of you there. So we'll be right back after this short break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the Divine Feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We're here with Kamatai Mitchell. And gosh, this has been such a rich, rich conversation. And there, right before we came back on, I was like, oh, I know something I really want to ask you because this is something I struggle with. How do you stay in love, like, you know, with all of life? Because you said you stay, like, in your bio, you say, I stay in love with the splendor of all life. How do you do this when life is just so challenging and so many of our systems are, mm-hmm. are broken? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely nature. I feel like, the splendor of it is so out of people's vantage points in general. I think when you have to put your nose to the grind to survive, if you're specifically in survival mode and all you can think about is paying the bills and taking care of your family and getting through, it's really hard to take a pause, step back and and notice all the splendor of nature. Um, And that includes the humans Humans are of nature, too, in your life, and the animals are all the things. Um, And so anytime I feel like I'm spiraling out or I feel like I'm on my mind's on repeat of analytical analytical repeat or stuck in logic, I do whatever I can to drop into the heart and then do an embodied practice, um, depending on the situation, and I get to nature I mean, even in the winter, I was in my backyard, a couple inches of snow, digging through and trying to ground my feet, bare feet. Um, in the winter of Michigan, for what a colleague in the community did that all winter, and I was like, that's dope, I'm doing that. That's really helpful to me. And uh, to remind myself that the good green earth is still underneath all this gray snow. Um, if I feel really caught up in the ways of being that are part of this culture. I just go in the backyard, I find something, or I recognize my dog or one of my children or an infant that I helped welcome into the world, or I tap in with the ancestors. And I just re remind myself that I'm not doing it alone. I'm not doing it alone. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the book emergent strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, powerful book that gives a whole insight around animism and how to look to nature for some of these answers. And there's a term we use at at Rooted called flocking. And so if you move like a flock, I'm the leader. I know the the guideposts where we're going, but when I get tired, I need to be able to come into the back and let someone else take the lead and rest like a a geese or a birds flying. We're all on the same page, but that doesn't mean I have to be in this hierarchical way of being. Um, That is a reminder to me of reclaiming the village, being in collective community, community care, knowing I'm not doing this alone. So nature and remembering I'm not alone are are my answers. (laughs) You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to. You don't have to. No. Mm -mm. No. So, 
tell me then, what does thriving unapologetically mean to you? And you can tell me what thriving means and what unapologetic mean or what you, what the two of them together mean for you, but I'm curious. Yeah. You know, that big grant, I was telling you about that first really big one, substantial one, um, the, the tagline or, or my way of writing this grant was um, a huge thing that my staff and marketing have constantly reused is in order um, for us to have a healing, healthy community, we have to shift mindsets from surviving to thriving. And I think that goes back to what we've been talking about, this individualism, this uh, thinking that capitalism is the answer, um, getting more money is the answer, is is the antithesis to thriving to me. Thriving is me. I'm in right relationship with myself, all other aspects of nature. That is thriving. When I recognize that I am here for a purpose, regardless of all the suffering or pain, I remember the joy and remembering the joy brings us to the liberation. So that's what thriving means to me, an abundant mindset of collectivism, knowing that um, the people that are in my circle all have the same purpose of liberation. Uh, that's thriving. Unapologetically is so easy because I'm in my late 40s. <laughs> <laughs> something, something happens in the system. And so unapologetically is um, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be honest and truthful. And I'm also going to be in my full humanity um, when I'm trying to say the thing, do the thing. And I think that some people think unapologetically is like, I'm going to be brutally honest and just like go in. Um, Could be, but in my mind, it's like, I'm going to be as honest as I can with compassion, care, and love. Knowing that um, unapologetically, I might hurt your feelings, but feelings are like clouds. They pass. And once those feelings have passed, let's get to the work of being unapologetic together. So I think, um, that's my definition of unapologetically. Mm, so powerful. Mm. And I, I feel the same way as you do about it. You know, the unapologetic piece isn't a power over kind of that's right. pushing or a, an aggressiveness. That's it's right. more for me, it's like, okay, I'm listening to my inner guidance. That's right. Very much attuned to her and allowing her to take the lead. So I'm no longer apologizing to my own heart. I love that. And so that, uh, because it's so easy to do, like, because then all the, the toxic beliefs come in. Oh, I'm not good enough. Or I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. You know, the, all that, that old story. I was telling my partner the other day, I'm just like, I'm just so tired of my story. Like, it's just, I'm just, it's so freaking boring. And I'm just, and, and I was like, just really just what is the new story? And yes. I just really, and live with that abundance mindset, as you mentioned. And and I love how you're unapologetic is like, okay, I'm going to be authentic. Your feelings might be hurt, but I'm, I'm sharing this with you from a very loving and compassionate place. So mm-hmm. you're speaking your truth. You're acting mm-hmm. through your inner guidance in a way that is not coming from an egoic place or a place right. of woundedness where you're like, oh, I just want to say this to hurt you. Sometimes we're like, what right. does speaking your truth mean? Speaking your truth doesn't mean to like hurt somebody. That's right. That's right. It means to be like, to be Mm -hmm. able to say what you need to say in a vulnerable, very authentic way with compassion and and tenderness. So thank you for sharing that. But I also feel like even if your intention is not to hurt someone, you still can. Oh yeah. And so being human enough, you can't control how the people feel. So I think it's being 
in your humanity enough to say, I'm sorry if I hurt you or I apologize or whatever that is for the repair. Cause it's never that you don't want to intentionally or unintentionally hurt anybody, but that's what humans do. And I think that's part of the human experience, you know, yeah. that you have to, you're going to hurt people because you are human. If not, you'd be an ancestor <laughs> or a tree. <laughs> Trees still hurt people. <laughs> they still hurt people. They fall. Yeah. Well, and it's just like we, like you said, you can't, we cannot control how other people respond and it's really what lens they're viewing life through is going to dictate how they receive the messages. Yeah. And so we can't control that, just control how the messages that we're, we're offering and how we're Mm -hmm. offering them. And so what is the final message that you would want to offer our listeners Mm -hmm. today? Um, I think just that message of you have a unique individual individual way of being in the world, but but remember the difference between unique individuality and individualism. Mm. I think that's the seed I would like to plant for our viewers and listeners. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you give me another full body. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Such a very important distinction between your uniqueness and the, the toxic individualism for sure. Yes, yes. And um, so how can our listeners reach out and connect with you? Um, rooted.org. Um, go to our website. With an A. Send a message. With an A. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. With an A. Um, we have a pretty strong Instagram and Facebook presence. They're, we're the only uh, organization that we found spelled that way. So we're easy to find, which is part of the marketing ploy and the beginning um so instagram facebook our website um i'm cama at rooted.org real simple if you have a specific question you want to get right to me happy to answer and if i miss it my assistant will catch it (laughs) yeah and um come to kalamazoo and see our beautiful space it's very welcoming we're open to whoever wants to come through maybe come dance with us practice a little yoga or just sit in one of our hammocks and have some tea Mm. So Kalamazoo is not high on my list of places I've wanted to go, but now you're making me want to come visit Kalamazoo just so I can give you a big hug and be in your presence and experience your community. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, just so you know, we're right in between Detroit and Chicago. So if you're in either place, it's not too far of a drive. Okay. Those weren't all high (laughs) on my list either, but... (laughs) I tried. But I know Michigan is beautiful in the summertime. I do know that. Yes. Yes. It's the place to be. Yeah. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much for being here. I really appreciate all that you're doing and all you're bringing into the world and just saying yes to that full body. Yes. To the guidance of your ancestors. We're all being blessed by you, your willingness to do so. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So if you're listening, this is uh, Lindsay McCown with Women Thriving Unapologetically. And we'll be back here next week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. Pacific. And if you have any questions for me, I'm very, um, very much accessible. You can send me an email at thriving unapologetically at gmail.com. It's kind of hard to say or to write out, but uh, you'll figure it out. Google it. (laughs) Much love and many blessings until next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. 
Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.